Support for Waveform comes from Anthropic. So looking for an AI solution for a business, it might be time to check out the Claude 3 family from Anthropic, your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. So whether you're powering a customer chat experience or doing complex R&D or need advanced analysis, Anthropic can help provide you with frontier intelligence. So if you're looking for speed, power, or anything in between, the Claude 3 family offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Waveform Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Marquez Brownlee. And I'm Andrew Manganelli. And in this episode, we got a lot of things to talk about. Well, we have to. We have to talk about the red hydrogen dying. We have to talk about Tesla. That's just the way this podcast goes. And we got to talk about Team Trees and Elon's donation. But of course, I also want to try to understand the streaming wars battle between Twitch and Mixer and surprise player YouTube. It's all in this episode. Buckle up. All right, let's start it off with a recap. We've got uh, the last two weeks of videos on the channel. First up would be OnePlus 7T Pro. Mm -hmm. So this phone came out. It's maybe the smallest update between phones of the year. The OnePlus 7 Pro came out earlier this year. Yeah. Then we got OnePlus 7T a little before that. Then OnePlus 7T Pro. Names are getting kind of tough. Uh, that's kind of a theme of phones this year. Yeah, the whole T's. Thing always makes it sound like 70 like the number like 70. a divisible of 10 yeah. yeah so it's the 7t not the 70 and that's so hard also because when i try to explain what phone i'm using to friends i'm yeah. like yeah this is the one plus seven pro and that's fine and then they're like this is the one plus 7t pro and they're like the what the one plus and they're like yeah but one plus 70 so 71 <laughs> anyway uh the phone came out it's got a couple small tweaks there's also a mclaren edition which is uh you know it's a snapdragon 855 plus in both phones it's uh, 8 gigs of RAM in the 7T Pro, 12 gigs of RAM in the 7T Pro McLaren edition. <laughs> Just rolls off the tongue. Well, yeah. I feel like we make that joke way too much. Maybe the real joke is naming schemes from all the smartphone companies. Cause... It's tough. This is It's gotten kind of bad. I mean, 11 Pro Max from the iPhone. I'm getting off topic, but like, there's <laughs> a lot of bad names of phones. Uh, anyway, the only version of these that are coming to the U.S. is, and this is the whole entire name of the phone, uh -huh. The OnePlus 7T Pro McLaren Edition 5G. Nice. That one, that one's coming to the U.S. Uh, recently was in the news. That's the only small update we have. But to T-Mobile. Mm -hmm. So uh, I've used a Verizon 5G phone. I think AT&T is going to have 5G phones, but this is going to be the real first, 5G. I think so. Okay. Uh, we'll have to test it. I mean, that would be kind of nice to actually see if it's different from what we've already tested. Yeah. But this will be the first T-Mobile 5G phone. Okay. And the second ever OnePlus 5G phone. They had the OnePlus 7 Pro 5G earlier this there year. There was a 5G? Yeah. I can't even keep... I and feel I like 5G in... is so unimportant right now that yeah. I don't even really... Yeah, I, you don't have to pay much attention to it. It's just a small update from the OnePlus 7T Pro from the video since we didn't cool. have that in there. But all right, then next up, we took a quick look at the AirPods Pro. Uh, this was my first impression, but I did a first impressions video. I'm going to hand you the AirPods okay. Pro case right now. You've seen them briefly, but mm -hmm. AirPods, number one headphones in the world. Yeah. I mean... Easily, they went straight from number one wireless headphones to number one earbuds to number one headphones in the world. So new AirPods is kind of a big deal for a lot of people. How are you feeling about this new so uh, design? The, the case was interesting. When I first saw it online, I was like, oh no, it's huge. Uh, it looked a lot like the Sony WF, 
1000 XM3? Yeah. Names. Yeah, names, man. Uh, And it looked big. That's a bulky case and not something I would really want to put in my pocket. And then I realized it's small. It's it's shorter than the AirPods case, but wider. So when you flip it on its side, it's right around the same size. I think same thickness we looked at. Yeah. So still fits in your pocket really well. I've never used AirPods. I'm on Android. AirPods never fit in my ear. I have, I tried them. I still recommend them to almost everyone. Everyone yeah. with an iPhone, I say, get AirPods. They're stupidly convenient. Yeah. It, they just work. They work like perfectly. So I was with you. I, I first looked at the case and I was a little, a little concerned by the size, but I think just the way they flip open and snap closed really mm-hmm. conveniently, they're nice. Uh, yeah, regular AirPods don't fit in my ears. So yeah. this is the number one thing I'm concerned about. But the main new feature of these is the active noise cancellation and the rubber yes. silicon tips. So these are going to exist alongside, like a lot of people are sort of talking about these as if these are the new AirPods. Mm-hmm. These are going to be sold right next to the current AirPods. These are AirPods Pro. They're $250. They cost a lot more. Yeah. They're competing in this premium space, but they have noise cancellation and ideally much better sound. So I, I saw a lot of people upset about the price. I don't think it's terrible. And coming from Apple, I think it's less terrible because of the fact that we expect Apple to be way more expensive but if you look at other truly wireless earbuds like the sony's they're 250 dollars already right Mm -hmm. 240 250 plenty so the wireless charging case airpods 2 are what 170 i think i just checked so if you get the new airpods 2 with the wireless charging case 199 already 199 yeah so it's 50 bucks for noise cancellation yeah for me ones that would fit in my ear so yeah. ones I can use. So uh, I think fifty dollars is worth being able to use. Them. A lot of I'm um, just spoiler alert. We're only I'm only a day and a half, two days into testing these, mm-hmm. but a lot of people are gonna buy these just because number one, AirPods are popular. Yeah. I just saw a tweet on my timeline of a photo of people waiting in line at Grand Central Station to pick these up on day one while wearing AirPods oh. already. So people who already have AirPods, whether they're the first or second gen. They love them so much, they're willing to go, take it to the next level, hopefully get better quality, hopefully stay in their ears better, and get noise cancellation. Yeah, that, I haven't even listened to music, but just putting them in my ears and listening to the noise cancellation, or the like, what do they call that? It's not canceling noise, but it's canceling all the like humming and buzzing around it. Yeah. It felt like if you listened to Waveform Episode 1, put them in, and then you were listening to Waveform <laughs> Episode 2. Uh, if yeah. you guys remember first episode, audio is a bit rough. That's exact. I honestly thought when I put them in, someone turned the HVAC off in the office. Wow. Um, I mean, they're good. So it's cool. So this, yeah, the video we put up, that was my first impressions with it. Spent 24 hours with it. The full review is coming, but my my thoughts so far are it's it's impressive. The noise cancellation is pretty good, and they sound pretty good. Um, and they only sound pretty good because of that noise cancellation. Okay. Because if you leave transparency mode on, or if you keep noise cancellation off. They kind of sound just like AirPods did before, a little tinny, a little lightweight. So, uh, yeah, the technology is good. Full review of those coming soon, but I uh, I have a feeling these are going to be very popular. I'm sure they will. Okay, so then next up was, of course, the long-awaited Pixel 4 review. Mm -hmm. So a lot has happened since the Pixel 4 review, Mm -hmm. both good and bad, but mostly just a, a smattering of updates and complaints. First off, my my personal favorite thing to notice. And the world sort of all noticed at once, but I mentioned in my review, my Pixel 4 went back to 60 hertz. It's a 90 hertz display, yeah. fully capable. Went back to 60 hertz, what felt like constantly. 
And uh, I mentioned this in the video, I went to the developer settings and forced 90 hertz because mm -hmm. I just, I couldn't figure out why it kept going to 60 so often. Uh, the world found out. It's because yeah. there's a, a setting specifically in the OS where, not even a setting, it's just in the code, but it will go to 60 hertz anytime there's low ambient light. Mm -hmm. So anytime basically you don't have a lot of light around you, screen brightness is going down, it will lower to 60 hertz. And uh, that's pretty often. It's Spoiler. All, I think they say somewhere around under 75% screen brightness, right? Yeah, I think that was the original way uh, that people found it is when okay. your screen brightness was down. But then also if you just turn your screen brightness down while it's bright around you, it'll still stay at 90. It's mainly, I think, okay. um, I think it may be multiple factors, but it was when ambient light is low. Okay. I guess they're assuming you're not looking at the screen super hard, so you don't notice, and that's a way to save battery. It's a big assumption. I guess what it comes down to is they were being aggressive about going back down to 60 hertz often because they had small batteries mm -hmm. and they had to. Um, but this is one of several ways, one of several reasons that I, I've ended up going back to the OnePlus 7 Pro as my daily phone That's fast from the you. Pixel, yeah. which that that's not something I thought I would be saying. No. When I heard Pixel had 90 hertz display, I was like, okay, good. I'm not gonna think it's slow and annoying and laggy like the last one turned uh -huh. out to be. But yeah, this is this is one of those weird updates. I mean, the thing is, is 90 hertz was the thing that was like, okay, this is the hype thing that we got. Yeah. This is what's probably going to make people actually pick it. And now you get it at such a low amount of time. Like you didn't buy your P100D to do zero to 60 or whatever that kind of torque only in the daytime. Right. It, like if you bought that car <laughs> for those specs and then at night could only drive it, 50 miles an hour, that you probably wouldn't be that hyped rough. about it. I so. guess, you know what, here's an, here's an analogy I'll make because this is also kind of partly true since we're on Tesla analogies, <laughs> I love those. Um, my car only does zero to 60 in 2.2 seconds when the battery is full. Okay. It's capable of doing zero to 60 just as fast with a lower battery state, but it doesn't. It's mm -hmm. a little slower. It's 2.5, 2.7 seconds. Uh, and it's kind of, I mean, I notice, but I think a normal person would still think this is fine. This is pretty fast. Yeah, it's fast. And so the analogy I draw is like, if you're trying to come up with some ideas of, all right, when do we, when do we throttle down to 60 Hertz for saving battery on this phone? Well, I guess all the times that you don't really need 90, like I'm watching a YouTube video yeah. that doesn't have to be 90 Hertz. Mm -hmm. Okay, perfect. Do 60 there. Uh, what else? If I'm just reading text, you know, maybe if I'm just in the Kindle app or any sort of reading app mm -hmm. i don't need 90 hertz okay maybe i would still like to swap swatch pages in 90 hertz and that would like be nice. this just scrolling in general i feel like i would yeah. still like it but and, and maybe people. i don't know one of other there's a couple other things where you're just like static on the screen and it's been still for a while and you know they're not moving it and i think they also use literally uh when you're looking away from the screen it goes back down to 60 hertz so it's okay. using literally the front facing camera to decide if it should be throttled up or down. And that makes sense because if you're not looking at it, who cares? All of those make sense. It is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this, this brightness one was, I think, just one more step mm -hmm. where there were just so many times where it was at 60 hertz that like I noticed. I was like, this does not feel like a 90 hertz phone. Well, yeah. Other than like sometimes when I'm scrolling in the app drawer. I mean, you enough. said it in the review before we all knew what that specific reason for it was that right. so and other people were noticing it also so the fact that we have this specific reason this quickly already is yeah it's not great yeah so if you found yourself like me wanting more 90 hertz you can go into the developer settings enable them find the force 90 hertz option uh -huh. 
warning, because I did this, it will destroy your battery life. Yeah. And I guess I was okay with it because I have a wireless charger at my desk and I have mm -hmm. a charger in my car and I can get around crappy battery life even though I don't want to. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's your warning. It, it will not do great. It's so. a far cry from two or three episodes ago when we were talking about the ROG Phone 2 going a whole weekend without it's even plugging it in. The other side of the in. spectrum, man. It's that's pretty crazy. That phone didn't even have fast charging, but if you have a 6,000 milliamp hour battery, you don't need it. You're just not going to have to charge very often. So yeah, that's, that's I guess, your Pixel 4 update. There's a couple other little things about it, like, um, you know, the cameras, we have basically the camera comparison to do now. Now that we have Deep Fusion on the yeah. iPhone, we can really go back and go head to head with the iPhone 11 Pro. Um, I did a video with SuperSaf where we compared directly iPhone 11 Pro camera versus Pixel 4 camera. And you might be surprised at the amount of times that it's sort of a, a coin flip. Mm -hmm. There's often situations where Pixel 4 looks a little bit better. I personally think, here's what I'll say. Yeah. Comparing the two cameras. I like Pixel 4 photos more often than I like iPhone photos. Mm -hmm. But if I could only pick one, I would pick the iPhone. Okay. Does that make any sense? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I feel like it kind of makes sense because I work with you and yeah. I probably know why, but explain it for everybody else. So here's why. So there's a bunch of different reasons why a camera can be good. A lot of different things you might take photos or videos of. Mm -hmm. Um, most of the things people take photos of, especially that I take photos of, are objects and people. Yeah. Uh, and for those situations in normal lighting, objects and people, Pixel 4 photos, a little contrastier, a little better colors. It's a little bit cool sometimes, but I can warm it up. And better detail, and they just look incredible. HDR, I just like the look of a punchy Pixel 4 photo. Okay. Over the iPhone, eight, nine times out of 10. Yep. But in... You know, other situations, let's say I'm taking a landscape. Yeah. It has an ultra wide. Let's say I'm taking a video mm -hmm. with excellent stabilization, excellent microphone. 4K iPhone 60. 4K 60. The the video in the iPhone is drastically better than the Pixel. Yeah. Um, there, the other day I was just, I was in a, like visiting a house and I wanted to take an in, indoor video in this house and it didn't have oh, an ultra wide angle video. And I wished I had brought my iPhone because I couldn't go wide enough to get huh. the whole room in the photo and the video. So there's gonna be a bunch of scenarios like that where the iPhone camera is clearly better than the Pixel's camera. And there's it's it's they're not normal shooting scenarios. I think this is worth a video. I think like this whole concept yeah, of like cool. I like one more but I would recommend or pick the other more mm -hmm. is kind of interesting. Tweet at me. Let me know. What do you think? Should we this, should this be an entire video, be video of yeah. just Pixel 4 versus iPhone 11 camera? I think it could be pretty fun, but. Yeah, I feel like we're, I just realized this today. I think there's one more phone that might come out this year. So we're getting into that point where we have all this new stuff oh, and we get to make yeah, all our really there. fun videos. And I'm I'm so excited. November is, is such a fun month. Uh, you I can spoil wait. it, you can wait. spoil it. I mean, we're really excited. We started brainstorming the camera bracket, the blind camera bracket challenge, which was my has been my favorite video I've made since we started here. Uh, maybe besides, you know, Elon Musk or something <laughs> like that. But we're we're really pumped about it. We have some fun stuff, fun new stuff this year. I think they're they're going to be long videos. Um, yeah, but they're going to be super fun. So everyone, get ready. We're getting there. I think yeah. maybe maybe one more phone. Gotta get that Mate 30 Pro in here, and I think then we'll have our 16 phone bracket 
Yeah. And we'll start to put that together. There's some really fun ones on the bracket right now. (laughs) I can't. Okay. We made a mock bracket. We made a mock bracket. I'm just going to tell you right now. We Mm -hmm. made a 16 phone mock bracket. And if you can imagine, like from last year, we had all these high end phones. We had a couple of interesting, crazy ones that did these weird upsets that you would never expect. Like we we put the Pocophone in the last year's smartphone camera bracket. Mm -hmm. Fully expecting it to get knocked out in the first round. Yep. And then we saw the damage it did. So yeah, it beat iPhone 10. It beat an iPhone in the first round. So <laughs> yeah, this year let's just say we have all kinds of fun matchups again, and it should yeah, it should yeah. be a good one. So anyway, that's your that's your Pixel update. I guess we should go on to a uh, if if you have any content recommendations. I do have one that I actually recently just watched. So Porsche Taycan Turbo S Taycan. Uh-huh. Here we go again. Porsche Taycan Turbo S versus Tesla Model S Performance. Uh, Top Gear did a video comparing it's just straight up comparing the two they had them both on a track that's awesome um and a lot of people know and respect top gear and and their opinions and i figured this is a an ideal place to figure you know if they're going to do a well done comparison this would be it and i think it was it's uh, it's on their youtube channel i think the conclusion that you come to while watching it and they sort of wrapped it up perfectly is people are going to compare these cars to each other nonstop. Uh Why? Because they're both four-door electric sports cars, Mm -hmm. but they are for completely different people. Yeah. And they, aside from both being fast in a straight line, pretty much every other decision that these companies make regarding their car is, is in like diverting directions. One for, you know, the, the driving enthusiast, the other for the driver, you know, there's there's tons of different reasons why these cars are different. So yeah, for sure. if you want to appreciate both of these cars more than you already did, you can watch that video. Uh, made me appreciate the Porsche a little more, actually. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've I've not like YouTube content or anything, but I just have to say that Silicon Valley's back out. Arguably one of my favorite shows on TV, at least currently one of my favorite shows I've watched. New season. New season. I okay. believe it's the last season. First episode, pretty good. First episodes always have to kind of like set up the plot for the season, so it's a little slower than normal. But uh, first of all, Main Gear made it in the first episode. Our friends down nice. the road, uh, one of the main characters, Dinesh, was sitting in one of their chairs and using one of their computers. So that was wow. pretty cool to see someone that we know. Is like, that like a you made it moment where if you if your if your tech company appears in Silicon Valley in some way, you made it? Do you know what's even cooler about that is Wallace, the CEO of Main Gear, got a tweet from. Thomas Middleditch, the main character, saying he's a gamer. He's been using Main Gear since before he was on the show. Nice. That's, maybe that's maybe crazy. he brought that to the show himself, and he was like, instead of this set prop, let's use this other tech company chair. There you go. Yeah. Sick. It's pretty <laughs> awesome. But yeah, uh, mostly putting it up there. I'm sure almost all of our fans watch it. If you don't, you should. And partially just because I like to tell Marquez to watch it <laughs> literally every chance I get. Silicon so, Valley, you know what? I don't watch that many TV shows. Like I, I mean, I don't watch any. Is really where <laughs> that's I'm not going much. with You're that. Right. Zero is a small number. Um, but it, I, the this the gist I get is, especially from the clips I've seen, if I were uh-huh. to enjoy any season of a TV show based on my likes, uh, it would probably be Silicon Valley. Yeah. So I might go. I might go have to check out that I'll new season. I'll get you there somewhere. Or at least Someday. a couple. Is that a bunch of? How many episodes is it? They're not not long, eight to ten maybe a season. Okay. I think four or five seasons. Fifth season, yeah. This is the fifth season. I'll tell you what. I'll watch an episode this weekend, I'm, and maybe see where it goes. We did it. We okay. the podcast is over. We, we <laughs> this is the long con. It only took eight episodes, but I'll this is all we needed. First episode of the new season this weekend. All Sounds right. Sounds good. Uh, a couple of s- small quick updates. One, rest in peace, Red Hydrogen. Uh huh. You had a good life. No, you didn't. 
Not, not really. <laughs> no, you didn't. Um, so the the story is the Red Hydrogen Project is canceled. Jim, whose project it was at Red, abruptly basically left Red, retired, mm-hmm. um, due to a number of things and I guess issues. But uh, the project dies with him. There will be no Hydrogen 2. There will be no modules. There will be no other attachments, no other updates to Hydrogen. If you have one, don't expect it to get the newest version of Android. Jeez. Uh, yeah, Hydrogen Hydrogen is over. I, I wrote down that this is good and bad. Okay, explain. <laughs> it It's good because it was a bad phone, and mm-hmm. I don't want to see like like this whole project, like, just have a horrible name for themselves. Yeah, you, you know don't what want I mean? Red to drag their name through the mud for not even that. Like project. I don't even care if Red drags their name through the mud. Like they make some good products and they make some bad products. Like mm-hmm. that's just the way companies are. But like the whole like smartphones are different, getting different and interesting thing was kind of like well, I guess I guess it just comes down to I had a lot of hope for that phone yeah. and it turned out poorly and I'm not mad that it's dead. But it is a bad thing, I think, because competition is good. And yeah. in theory, a version two of that phone or the modules that they make could have been great. Maybe, mm-hmm. probably not. But if they were, that would have been a, a whole nother segment or a thing to think about. Like, oh, maybe a giant tank of a phone with a 3D display and a huge battery and that's made of metal and doesn't care about thin bezels. Maybe that's a direction some consumers want to buy. Yeah. Um, so it's a good and a bad thing, but I can't say I'm shocked that Red I'm not that shocked. I mean, going. when the only quote unquote mod like accessory you release in a year of a phone that's literally made for accessories was a $50 clear case. Clear case. For a phone that, that is it. already gigantic and barely fits in your pocket. It's just not <laughs> it's not pointing in the right direction, yeah. you could say. Yeah, there were a lot of promises made. None of them really happened. So RIP red hydrogen yeah. one. Uh and also I have a Tesla update. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> I have a Tesla update, guys. Um, it's nothing to do with mine. It's actually, uh, so Franz von Holhausen, who's the lead designer at Tesla, has been for a couple of years since Model S, he went on the Ride the Lightning podcast where he he talked for, I think, a good 40 minutes hmm. on all of their cars. Great podcast. Shout out to that already. If you've listened to other episodes, you know he does a great job. He's interviewed Elon before. And he spoke with Franz and he talked about all of their cars. And for the brief couple minutes that he talked about the Roadster, the the new 2020 Roadster, he said it will be, quote, even better than what we've unveiled in every way. Okay. He said that. Every way. Literally every way. Yeah. Now, as a- This could be a whole video. Which things haven't changed? Yeah. Well, as a spec person, I'm like, okay, every way means like the specs will all be better. Mm -hmm. The specs they announced, if you just want to take it back for a second- (laughs) Um, were that it would be zero to 60 in 1.9 seconds, which I think was later updated to 2.1, but like whoa, that would whoa. be the base we're not model. Even breaking two, I'll just buy a Prius if I we're mean, not even breaking two seconds anymore. <laughs> that was going to be like a, a pretty big deal to break the two second barrier. Uh-huh. But if that's in theory better, that would be insane. A 250 plus mile an hour top speed. I don't know how you make it better. I mean, if it's over 250, it's over 250. A 620 mile range which over a thousand kilometers for an electric car is already incredible. If that's something that they say will be better in every way, that sounds great. Yeah, for sure. Um, And a 200 kilowatt hour battery with the triple motors. I don't know if they're gonna stick to the 200 number, uh, but it'll be a bigger battery. But Mm. what I think of when they say better in every way, I think they're just talking about, I mean, he also said they need more time. It's officially delayed. Yeah. Uh, But I think they're talking about interior stuff, that steering wheel, 
the autopilot system, what they're doing with the hardware there, the computers inside, all these things will be better than the original. They might have another screen. They might have a hood, whatever. They're, they're working on updating the prototype. Yeah. It won't look exactly the same as the one we've seen. I mm-hmm. think that's really what he means. It's a way hyper way of saying it's, yeah. it needs some updating. Well, he's, he's a good talker. He's a good talker. Yeah. He spoke very eloquently about those cars, and that was one of the statements I found fantastic. Okay, that was a long recap. Uh, <laughs> we're going to go back. Uh, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk to you a little about Team Trees, a little bit of a YouTube social media takeover that we've seen, and a little in-depth about streaming platforms and their competition. We'll be right back. Support for the show comes from Anthropic. Companies of all sizes are exploring use cases for AI and finding that it's not a one-size-fits-all game. It's all about finding the right balance between speed and intelligence. Like if you're powering a customer chat experience, you need instant speed at low cost. If you're doing complex R&D or advanced analysis, you need frontier intelligence. Claude 3 from Anthropic offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Claude 3 Opus is their largest and most powerful model that can handle complex tasks and analysis. Sonnet strikes the balance between information and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and most cost-effective model that can execute lightweight actions fast. Anthropic's dedicated to building AI systems that are reliable, interpretable, and steerable. Their multidisciplinary team of researchers, engineers, policy experts, and business leaders designed Claude to elevate the field of generative AI. See for yourself. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. All right, we're back. So you may have seen over the past few days or weeks, hashtag Team Trees trending somewhere on the internet, YouTube. Facebook, Twitter, is it Facebook trending? Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> team trees anymore? Team trees is a thing that you've seen across the internet. I feel like we should break it down and explain what it yeah, is, because sure. I actually love it. It's incredible. Uh, and it's a, it's a pretty sweet thing to talk about. So, I think it starts with Mr. Beast. For Mr. sure. Mr. Beast, uh, if you don't know, Jimmy Donaldson, YouTuber from, ooh, what state is he North from? Carolina. North I Carolina, think, yeah. okay. Um, he's done some incredible videos in the past. I'm a fan of his stuff. I met him at the Creator Summit, but... Uh, YouTuber who's, I guess I would describe his videos as just extreme, take, taking things to the extreme. Yeah, very um, extravagant. What are some, can I go look at some of his video titles? So, I think that's the best way to yeah, describe it. Yeah, I think titles it. are, the first one I ever remember, I'm pretty sure he spun a fidget spinner for 10 hours live. Things that you wouldn't like expect a person to do yeah. or to have any uh, reason to do. It, that's the big thing. <laughs> things that, ha- there's no reason to do this, but you will watch somebody do it. Maybe kind of, Kind of like a, along the Vsauce line where like you might wonder what would happen if someone did this or asked <laughs> this, but uh, let's see if I go back a little bit. Last one to take your hand off the boat keeps it. Yeah, I. so I think the big thing is, is he got popular and then took the money he was making from that and immediately invested it into new videos, which is awesome. You see too many people get big and just buy everything. He's just dumping money back into videos, which yeah. makes them... You know what? Insane is a very clickbaity like word for a title. Mr. Beast deserves to use insane in basically every single one of his videos. It, will, it actually I'll, is insane. I'll back that. Yeah. yeah. Here's a couple other titles. Surviving 24 hours straight in a rainforest. I gave my brother 24 hours to spend $100,000. Last one to leave the pool of $20,000 keeps it. <laughs> Surviving 24 hours on a deserted island. So you get the theme here. Yeah. Um his viewers, his subscribers, he recently passed 20 million subscribers, 
basically challenged him along the way that once he reaches 20 million, he should try to plant 20 million trees. Mm -hmm. Just another crazy thing. Who could possibly do it other than Mr. Beast? Yep. Um, and they sort of got started with this the idea and realized 20 million is- That's a uh, big number. That's a huge number. I yeah. mean, you, see, you don't see 20 million of anything very often. Uh, so the idea for Team Trees is to make it a site-wide collaboration. And I say site-wide because it's kind of a YouTube thing, but it's yeah. really the whole internet. So he's partnered up with the Arbor Day Foundation and they've created this website, the teamtrees.org website. They'll be collecting donations where $1 donated equals one tree planted. Yep. And so that's the concept, right? Yeah. Everyone can commit, everyone can donate, everyone can promo it. And it's sort of a feel good, like bring the entire internet together around a good cause mm -hmm. thing. Almost no problem could possibly be seen with team trees. Let's just let's just plant a bunch of trees, right? Yeah. Um, and it's kind of gone that way. They've, I think, passed seven million over trees. Eight over, eight, yeah. over eight million trees, and it's been less than a week um, planted or committed to be planted. And these don't get all get planted at once. This is going to be, you know, going through the end of 2020. And then once, hopefully, we reach 20 million trees, yeah. over the next couple of years, they'll be planting trees in various rainforests and national parks and places where they need to plant trees. And they'll be planting specifically native trees to those environments, yeah, places I, in need. I think Arbor Day Foundation works with, at least in the U.S., national forests and national park members to make sure not only are you planting the right trees in the right places, but not overplanting and destroying ecosystems and stuff like that. I mean, there is some, some people want to make sure it's, it's a legitimate foundation. And from everything we've seen, I mean, we're not total experts at this, but it seems completely legit. It's a great cause. We love forests, obviously. Yeah. It's supposed to, to help climate change, which he's gotten a little backlash on and he had a response to it that I thought. I think that's the dumbest backlash, it's, by the way. It's a very dumb backlash. It's But he just said something along the lines of, you know what, 20 million trees isn't gonna completely solve climate change, but Shocker. it's better than doing nothing and doing nothing's how we got here, so. And it's united just, uh, a good amount of people from, I'm just gonna go over to the, uh, the top, top most trees donated list. So mm -hmm. you could obviously go donate yourself right now, five, five bucks, a dollar, 20 bucks, all of it counts and I encourage you to go check yeah, it out and donate sure. if you're interested. Um, that some of the top donations are someone just called Ukraine who downloaded <laughs> or who donated 50,000 trees, a bunch of YouTubers on this list beyond the original 600 that were partnered. So Jeffree Star, Chris Ramsey, Ninja, Lachlan, Jacksepticeye, uh, Mark, Mark Rober, Mr. Beast has donated himself, Jack Dorsey, uh, CEO of Twitter. And then you might notice something up at the top of the list mm -hmm. uh, who donated a million trees yesterday. Uh, Mr. Elon Musk himself Mr. has made the decision to uh, support Team Trees. Now officially known as Treelon Musk, I believe. He did change, he does what he does best and just turns it into <laughs> a meme. Uh, his his username is Treelon. How long till the avatar is a tree? It already is. It is already? It is already, Is yeah. it smoking pot like in the Joe Rogan podcast? No, it's not, it's just uh, a tree. <laughs> please, <laughs> please somebody make that. I just want a tree with Elon's face smoking pot. It's probably already yeah. a thing, yeah. It needs to be. I wanna take a little bit of credit for uh, convincing him because he he was sort of on the fence and he asked on Twitter about Team Trees and I sort of replied about the Arbor Day Foundation. And I mean, you can look this stuff up on the teamtrees.org website, but eventually with some other behind the scenes coaxing, we convinced him to donate a million trees. Yeah. And that's a great start. So if you aren't already on board, hashtag Team Trees, uh, check it out. 
Yeah, it's, it's almost halfway it's there cost. if you think about it like that. That's Eight million? incredible. Yeah, twenty. Million it's been like four trees. or five days. It's pretty pretty nuts. It's on a great a great trajectory. Uh, so yeah, teamtrees.org. Check it out. All right, I have another topic I want to talk about just because I'm I'm curious about it, and this is more in your world. Okay. Um, and I'm just wondering what's going on. Mm-hmm. So, I saw the headline: Shroud, the streamer from yeah. Twitch, going to Mixer mm-hmm. this week. So I only know so many things about Mixer, which is that uh, let's see, it's a Microsoft-made competitor to Twitch. Yep, exactly. Live streaming platform that paid Ninja a bunch of money to go there and live stream there instead of Twitch. Mm-hmm. That's all I know. Now Mixer has gotten Shroud. Can you explain what's happening? Because sure, I yeah, have yeah, no yeah. idea what's going on anymore. So the fact that you heard the the name Shroud is I have. It's kind of just proof of how big he is because Ninja, everyone's heard of Ninja. Ninja got big and Ninja got big in the most popular game out there. He became mainstream. Would that be Fortnite? Fortnite yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it would be. Ninja's mainstream. So pulling Ninja over is obviously incredible. He was the biggest streamer on Twitch, right? Yeah. He was, I mean, he streams like Drake and like professional athletes like right. on the regular Maybe not on the regular, but pretty often. Like it was he was nuts. he was so massively popular that he would bring people to Twitch. Like he was important for business at Twitch. For sure. I mean, he was at the the New Year's Eve ball drop at, right. in New York City, attempting to get people to floss. But that's a whole other story. That didn't go great. He, yeah, he's mainstream. Shroud is more of the, if you want to call him like the gamers gamer. Like he's been a force to be reckoned with in the first-person shooter community for a long time. He played Counter-Strike competitively uh, for a team called C9, is at least when I remember. I'm sure he played for other places. But he's just, when you hear people say is like a god at gaming, that's Shroud is the god of FPS gaming. I'm sure you could argue it. but He sounds like a more respected character in this community of streaming games. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, He he played Counter-Strike for a long time. And then do you remember when PUBG got really big? Yep. He started playing that, and he was insane. He was so good at it. People watched it all the time. He blew up. He quit playing Counter-Strike, quit his professional team, and that's when he went to full-time streaming, and he's just been on this insane upward trajectory since. Um, With all these Battle Royale games coming out, he's been incredible at them, and he's, he's so good at games, I almost can't watch him because the way he moves is so fast, it's semi-nauseating. <laughs> it's it's almost unfortunate, but I mean, I love I love him. He's I think he's super entertaining to watch. He does some crazy things. He's gotten to the point where he's gotten so big, he started a gamer house, and a bunch of other streamers live in the house with him. But whatever, whatever. This last week, we saw him switch to Mixer, right. which is so big news. So he switched to Mixer. I'm guessing because he also orchestrated some sort of deal where he would get paid and he would you know, bring his audience over to Mixer from mm-hmm. Twitch. So now that's two. When I was looking into like Ninja moving to Mixer, you know, all of, the, all of the criticism and politics of it were like, okay, you got Ninja, but that's not bringing enough people to keep your exactly. site alive. Like you still have to get people to go to, to Mixer for other good reasons. Mm-hmm. And now that they've brought, you know, at least convinced Shroud that it was a good idea, who's had a much longer career, it has me wondering what is it about mixer or what is it about twitch that makes it enticing is it a is it something great mixer is doing are they that different i think there's a twitch messing up i think there's a few things i think twitch clearly has the audience right now yeah it's been it's been around forever it's grown its audience um it's pretty much 
brought streaming to the mainstream thing it is today. Yeah. Um, Mixer is much newer. It's owned by Microsoft, so it's got its backing. It, it can stay afloat, but it needs it needs to have a reason to stay afloat. So bringing Ninja was a great first step. The thing is, his numbers dropped quite a bit because the audience just isn't there. People people go on Twitch because maybe they're watching Ninja, but on the side they have all the other people they're following, so they can switch over to someone else. Right. Where if you go to Mixer, you just have Ninja. Right. So anytime you try to transfer an audience across mediums, you're going to have some sort of percent drop off. For sure. Uh, so if Ninja had, I'm just making up numbers, if Ninja had 10,000 people watching him on Twitch, when he moves over to Mixer, you you can expect some portion of that, maybe half of them to follow him over there. Yeah. Um, how did that go with Shroud? So, I mean, or is that Shroud's so still really new. His first couple he was hitting like 80,000 concurrent viewers, which is, they're great numbers on Twitch and Mixer. Yeah. Um, it was big news. It's weird. I think the Shroud move, I'm assuming based on Twitch contracts, Shroud couldn't move till now. I'm sure oh. there's no way you just get Ninja and then be like, oh, this is good. And then not think of Shroud till two months late or two months later. Okay. So I, I have a feeling they wanted him sooner. They couldn't get him. They were working on it. Okay. Um, the two month gap, I think is kind of tough. They could have really bought into that ninja hype and brought Shroud over sooner. I think the thing is, is Twitch is big. It's almost too big. There are There's a lot of controversy with the way they moderate. It's very, very, uh, what's the word I should, I don't know about, inconsistent. Inconsistent is oh. the nicest way of putting oh, it. Oh, Twitch moderation. Twitch like moderation. Gets, I, I hear a lot of stories about who got banned from Twitch or who got suspended from Twitch or whatever. Yep. That's what you're talking about? It's extremely, extremely inconsistent. Double I, standards. Yeah. Okay. You said it, not me, but <laughs> I wanted to. Um, but the problem with that is, is think about it like on you, like these are, this is how people make money. You can't have, it sucks to be on a platform and not knowing that one day you might do something. It's live too. You can't edit, you know, oh. if you do something accidentally, one person might not get banned, but then the next person gets banned. And when you get banned, you're losing money. Yeah, it's so like this getting... is, uh, this is, I guess, similar to what you might find. I mean, there's other live streaming platforms that have come before Twitch and mm -hmm. even YouTube has a live streaming platform. It's not as common. It's yeah. nowhere near as popular. It's not as popular, obviously, no. but you have, uh, you know, the, the YouNows and the Periscopes and, and the Instagram Lives and even other, U streams that came before. I yeah, used to, Justin I used TV to do, was yeah. before. Used to, I used to do U streams just huh. for fun. That would like you just talk to the audience and go back to YouTube. Um, so I guess the question here is: Is Mixer offering like a better version of Twitch? Like, is there? Because here's the thing: mm -hmm. YouTube has tons of problems, but they are the biggest yeah. video platform. So if you want video on demand. You put it on YouTube, you get the numbers and the eyes on YouTube. And if YouTube screws up, where do you go? There's mm -hmm. not too many options. Is this a sort of a situation where Twitch is the live streaming platform, but if Twitch starts messing up or has some moderation problems or content problems mm -hmm. or whatever it is, Mixer's trying to be the place to go or are they not there yet? As of right now, Twitch is just better. It's gonna be better. But if we're comparing this to something like what was what was that web vid now or something that tried to compete against YouTube? Oh, what a couple. Was, a couple. What was the tried. the big the big VidMe? It was VidMe, right? That's one of them. Yeah. Okay, let's. If I were to compare people leaving YouTube to VidMe to people leaving Twitch to Mixer, Mixer stands way more of a chance of actually competing with Twitch than VidMe yeah. ever stood trying to get 
get anything from YouTube. The fact that two of the biggest creators, imagine right now if Vidme pulled PewDiePie and Well, that's the thing. I was Mr. thinking Beast. of I was thinking of that exact situation. Two of the biggest or even the two biggest creators mm -hmm. from Twitch seems like to me a bigger deal than the two biggest creators leaving YouTube. Yeah. And I know that doesn't sound like like think about it. Like PewDiePie, 100 million subscribers, billions and billions of views every year. Take him off YouTube, right? And then take I don't know the next biggest. I don't I don't want to say Ryan's tour reviews, but like take <laughs> the next biggest. Take five minute crafts. Take a take another five hundred million or sorry, take another five, fifty million subscribers off the platform that go to whatever. So now you have a competitor mm -hmm. with one hundred fifty million people on it, and you have YouTube that still has billions yeah. and billions and billions more and creators that will rise up to fill in the wake they left and YouTube would still kind of be okay. That's the too yeah, big to sure. fail type of thing. Um, so how many more, here's a question. Yeah. How many more streamers would Mixer poaching from Twitch need to, how many more would they have to poach to actually scare Twitch a little bit? I mean, they had to have scared Twitch a little bit. I, Twitch has to be kind of scared already. First already. of all, just losing Ninja as like the face, their face is, is bad. That's mm -hmm. just, it's not good. It sucks for them. They they can't be happy about that. Shroud even is an extremely, extremely popular streamer with basically zero controversies behind him. He is the nice. family-friendly streamer. Nothing's wrong with what he could do. Like, he doesn't do anything bad. He just plays games and he's incredible at them. And he's a, he's the, he was probably the face of Twitch maybe a little before Ninja and then after Ninja as well. Yeah. I mean, Dr. Disrespect will argue that he's been the face of Twitch <laughs> since 10 years before he started. Classic. Um, back in 93, 94, uh, I forget what, when he was the back-to-back -back champion, but uh, Mixer, Mixer has a while to go. I think they need a few more big names. I think once, if they can get five big names that a lot of people, where their viewers view all of those five, yeah. Then what they those viewers can do is they'll be on Mixer. One of their favorite streamers isn't playing a game they like or ends their stream. They can stay on Mixer and switch to the other streamer that's currently that, streaming. That's what it's all about. That's a big thing. A huge, huge part of why Twitch and YouTube are successful is because they can keep people on the site for a long time. Yeah. And so streamers like Ninja or Shroud or people generally, they're streaming really often, right? Yeah. So when you don't have that favorite streamer that you just gravitate towards the site to watch, you leave the site. Yep. So the more of those streamers that they have that people just gravitate to watch and they'll bounce around between them, the longer you're on their site, the more money they make, the more successful they are. That's mm -hmm. why Twitch is killing. That's why YouTube is killing because everyone's on YouTube. If Mixer, I'm with you, if they can get yeah. a couple of those, I don't know how big the ecosystem is, but if they can continue this path and they're backed by Microsoft, they've yeah, got money, I mean, right? They've got money. So if they continue this path and they keep poaching the next three, the next four, the next five, Dr. Disrespect moves over. The next He said there's no chance, but I mean we'll, we'll see money yeah. talks, right? So we see five or six streamers move over and then suddenly people are watching their three favorite streamers all on Mixer. They don't really have a reason to go back to Twitch. Nope. Um if if Twitch or if Mixer isn't letting down these streamers and they've set up a sort of a an, equi an equivalent ecosystem over there. That's, that's exactly issues. a community. They need to build a, a, a viewing community where the Twitch community, it's a lot, but 
it's a little crazy, but that's why Twitch is winning right now. It has a viewership and a chat community. Mixer mm -hmm. needs to get that. And I think the best way Mixer can get that is to bring over more names. It's going to cost a ton of money. I cannot imagine what these two got paid for this. Um, in but, theory, eventually you reach a tipping point where other creators will want to follow exactly. without getting paid, mm -hmm. right? So if the top two or three switch over, they have an established like income stream from Twitch. They have no reason to leave. But if Mixer comes along, here's a giant bag, then they move over and their small community of people who also stream sort of the same way will yeah. just kind of follow because Mixer is great. Maybe they get to this point of momentum where it just keeps sort of cascading. So here's the question. Yeah. Uh, Mixer, Microsoft, mm -hmm. Twitch, Amazon, yeah, YouTube, Google. <laughs> Who wins? Who wins? Who's is there a trajectory Wait, towards one of them winning right now? Here's or? the thing. I have it in a different winning in a different way, and it's actually Phil DeFranco said it in a recent uh just Phil DeFranco show that I okay. found super interesting. Something that literally affects me and the way I watch them, yet I'd never put it together. Okay. Ultimately, YouTube wins. And do you know why? Wins? Okay. It has nothing to do with YouTube's streaming platform because it sucks. No one uses it. Yeah. I guess it doesn't suck. No one uses it. Yeah. Correct. The reason YouTube wins, every single big streamer on Twitch, on Mixer, wherever, has a YouTube channel. And do you know why? Because then, vo videos on demand suck on Twitch and they suck on Mixer. And they all put them on YouTube and where they, there's also revenue. They have a, an editor edit the good parts. It's an eight or nine hour stream. I'm not going to go watch eight hours. They edit the good parts. They put it into a video. They put it on. Look how many subs Ninja has on YouTube. At least it's 10 million. It's yeah. insane. And that was over like a year. YouTube wins because all of these people are making YouTube channels and posting all their stuff on YouTube. And I would argue to say a majority of people watch the stuff on YouTube. That's fair. I think it's fair to say most of these, and, and here's the other thing about, you know, live streaming versus video on demand. Mm -hmm. Most people, be, I mean, this is backed up by the fact that YouTube is so big. Most people watch video on demand. They just have more time, yeah. you have a job during the day, you go home, someone's not streaming, hey, I'll watch, I'll watch a highlight on YouTube later. Yep. Uh, yeah, all these, all these streamers are going to be uploading highlights to YouTube where they will continue to use that platform for what it does best, which is dominate every other video platform that exists mm -hmm. right now. That's a very good point for YouTube winning this. I guess my other question is, do you see Mixer? Who's their next big pickup and will Who, it matter? Who's the next big picks up, pickup that would matter? What's I your mean, prediction? Dr. Disrespect's the big one. He's claimed they don't have enough of a community. Uh, is he the biggest fish on Twitch right now? I don't want to say. There's another sh streamer named Lyric. I don't watch too much. There's Summit. I'd say Doc's probably the biggest one. Okay. I don't know if he'll do it. There's Lyric is very big. Him going over would be huge. You have, here's what I should say. Not specific ones. You have to get the variety game streamers. You can't get a streamer who's only big because of one specific game. Like Ninja. <laughs> Yeah. I guess so so the it's argument is that's, you, that's more of proof of just how big Fortnite was. Yeah. Fortnite was gigantic. Yeah. But I mean that was you can switch it up. Yeah. I that makes sense. A variety stream. Uh, the Ninja was the obvious place to start just mm -hmm. because it was so massive, but uh this is something I'll I'll continue to follow. It's kind of interesting. Just like the streaming wars in general of having 
the actual competition between gigantic platforms about like can we make a, a real alternative yeah. to this arguable monopoly is it really arguable youtube's a monopoly yeah but if we if we actually create alternatives that's that's something i'm willing to support competition yeah. happens we win maybe twitch's best defense is just fixing their moderation what's their best defense throwing money at creators to stay which is kind of what youtube uh, has I mean, to do for a little that's, bit that's you know that's gonna happen yeah because mixer pulling that's a bargaining chip right Mix, so they're gonna Mixer's bad for twitch for that way reason true. also it's a huge bargaining you know doc doc so, goes to resign his we're just using doc as an example sure. we don't know any of this but yeah. goes to resign his his new twitch contract you know mixer's right around the corner use that as leverage throw big, it back in their big face leverage. bigger check from twitch yeah. So Actually, there you go. Do you know who else? Tim the Tap Man. Big streamer. I love him. Okay. He's hilarious. If he went to Mixer, that would actually be a big problem, I think. Huh. He's one of those really great, fun streamers. Streams all the time. Huge community. Him going over there would be big. He plays with Ninja a lot, too. All right. So yeah. that's there it is. We have our we have our predictions. We have our, our sort of big five. Uh, if they went over there, that would be fun it's, to follow. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna uh, say I'm gonna say they're next. This is my totally uneducated prediction. Let's go. They're gonna sign Doc. Okay. They're gonna do it. They're gonna offer him way more money, which is why they got Ninja. And yeah. then they're gonna start to sign people for less because people just want to go over there because it's cool. All the streaming talk. Uh, it's a it's a cool way of creating content. I I would love to have a streamer on the show someday. Just putting that out there. That would be nice. Anyone listening? If you're a, a fairly big streamer, you don't need to be Ninja. Uh, but I, I would just li- love to have someone on here who's a full-time streamer. I'd love to know their day. I'd love to know how they get amped up to stream for eight hours and be on in front of a live audience all the time. I, That's insane. I think about that. I met a streamer, and I'm going to forget his name. but Nick well, A30. Nick A30. Mm-hmm. We were shooting YouTube Rewind, actually. Yeah. And I talked to him because he was streaming on YouTube for like multiple hours per day. And all of us, even the, in the room and the green room behind the scenes, were just grilling him about it. Like, so how many hours do yeah. you shoot? And you're like, wait, you're spending time here to shoot YouTube Rewind and actively thinking about how you're not streaming? Like, huh. the, the schedule these guys have is crazy. So, yeah, that whole world is is fascinating. Sure, I'll it's, put that out. If you're a if you're a big streamer or if you know a big streamer you would like to be on the, the podcast. Tweet shoot. at him. Yeah, please tweet at him. Tag him. I, if you want to do Seagull. Siegel, if you listen, I'm a huge fan. You want to come on? Marquez probably has no idea who you are because he doesn't play Overwatch, but that's fine. Uh, any other big streamers, we would love. We would love to have you on, and it doesn't just have to be one. We can have a few. All right. I just want to know. Perfect. Okay, so we'll leave it at that. We'll take a quick break, and then we'll come back for some Techtober Q and A. Cool. Support for this episode of Waveform comes from Gigabyte. There's a lot of talk out there about how AI is revolutionizing our world. Computers are writing newsletters, robotic bees are pollinating flowers, and a whole new wave of driverless taxis are popping up in cities all over the world. But how can AI power our passions and what we do for fun? That's where Gigabyte's AI gaming laptops come in. So their range of powerful and portable new laptops deliver cutting edge performance for anyone looking to explore the brave new world of AI powered gaming. So every 2024 Aorus machine comes equipped with the Gigabyte AI Nexus, which is like a central hub located with all the AI-powered features you could hope for. So that includes super useful tools like AI Power Gear, which automatically throttles and extends your computer's battery life depending on your power source and usage. You also get access to AI Boost, which optimizes performance based on what you're doing in that moment, whether you're ripping through an FPS or running your own large language model. 
AI Boost automatically adjusts the GPU and processors to maximize responsiveness and deliver unparalleled efficiency. Lastly, AI Generator includes various generative AI apps for quick startup, and all 2024 Gigabyte models seamlessly integrate with tools like OpenAI and Microsoft's Copilot AI chatbot. But the Aorus 16X and the Gigabyte G6X take it to the next level with a dedicated Copilot key, allowing users to swiftly tap into productivity and generative AI capabilities. I also keep hearing AI is gonna change a lot in the gaming world. Andrew, can you think of anything about that? Not just optimization, like you said, but like more personal optimization I could see happening where like maybe you're playing a competitive game like Valorant and you want higher FPS and lower resolution, like you, you're okay versus like The Witcher where you might want 4K crispy resolution and like a lower frame rate. I think finding that between your computer specs and what you want might help out a lot. Nice. So all of the models that I've been talking about are available right now at oris.com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. So that's A-O-R-U-S dot com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. Gigabyte. Team up. Fight on. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, we're back. We asked everyone on Twitter if they wanted to ask some questions. Uh, this is kind of the end of Techtober, I think. Yeah, this is officially coming out in November. So Techtober is officially over if you are listening what to this. What a season. I mean, it, it still bleeds over into the next yeah, month. Yeah, I but... mean, it, basically up till Christmas, it's still pretty wild. But yeah. the but official is Techtober a, is over. So this is the last Q&A of said month. Yeah. All right. We've got some good ones already. Do you want to go first? So I have one. Uh, I'm going to not try to pronounce names because I made that mistake already. But they ask, uh, Red Axing their phone market. Do you think they would do a better job of supplying sensors to phone manufacturers like Samsung does for displays, or is it better for them to just stick to high-end cameras? And that's interesting because they, they do uh -huh. make their own silicon, they make those sensors, and they also make the entire image processing pipeline from that capture to the actual finished mm -hmm. media. So uh, I guess it would be kind of interesting to see them make sensors and ship them, but I wonder if that greatness would translate because yeah, they don't exactly. do the software anymore. It's just probably an entire, entirely different way of creating a sensor when you're doing something so small for a phone rather than a big full-frame sensor for a camera. So it is still on a basic level the same. Mm -hmm. A CMOS sensor is a CMOS sensor, and they obviously can you know do great technology with pixel binning and all sorts of other things with focus. They don't do autofocus, so like I'm sure you'd want some some hybrid of the technologies Red makes versus what others make. Uh -huh. um, 
But yeah, I, you know, the same way we see like smartphone cameras get better when you install the Google camera app. Yeah. It's because the software makes a huge difference mm -hmm. in, in today's world of computational photography. So I almost think they probably wouldn't be able to translate their greatness to a smartphone unless they just made their own phone. So, yeah, except that they made their own phone and they <laughs> used the Sony sensors. So yeah, so in some cases, yeah, if like if Red wanted to fully change course of their company and put all their research and development into creating a sensor for a phone, cool. They you know, probably make something awesome. That's but, what I originally like. Originally, when I heard Red uh -huh. was making a phone, that's what I originally thought that they were going to do. I thought this was finally going to be a pocketable Red camera, which mm -hmm. would have been like a totally right. different thing and yeah. totally different direction that they went. Um, but I think today in this world of computational photography, where you need to be a software company to do this well, yeah, for sure, uh, that's tough. All right, I have one. This is from Joe. Well, that's easy to pronounce. Yeah, that was an easy <laughs> one. Almost messed it up, but I, I held strong. Uh, what are each of your personal favorite Easter eggs that you've hidden in videos? Uh, his favorite is the trash can Mac Pro. Uh, um, for those of you who don't know that, that was probably like two, almost three years ago. He's talking about the one where the Mac Pro is in the background, uh -huh. but looked like it was like had trash in yeah, it. Yeah, it's it's in the position where your trash can is yes. for almost every for a lot of a roll, and we we took it, we replaced the trash can with it, put the trash can looking Mac Pro there, and put a bunch of crumpled paper in it to yeah. make it look like an overflowing trash can. I love that. It that's, was that's one of my favorites. That's definitely up top. Um, I think this is something some people don't get all the time. That was a pretty obvious one, but. We love to do stuff like this. Oh, this if is... you haven't noticed, I mean, we, there's, there's the word Easter egg is kind of funny, but we have, we hide things in videos uh -huh. pretty much constantly. Yeah. I think our new one is we, <laughs> and it's not so much hidden, but we have this skeleton that we have at the office right now. And now for Halloween is perfect, but we put it in the background of videos all the time. I think the first time we ever did it was kind of against a white wall. So you could just barely, barely. see it. It was in Brandon's desk, I think. The skull, um, yeah. So that's what we've been hiding a lot. We've done some really, really hard to find. The one that I remember, and I don't remember what video is in, I don't think a single person noticed, but remember when HomePod used to leave a ring on wooden tables? The residue white ring. Yeah. yeah. So we had a, a piece of wood that we used for top downs that got the ring on it, yep. and we specifically moved the ring in frame to another video, almost as like, like in our top-down sets, we have stuff around the edge of the frame. We almost used it as a prop on the edge yeah. of the frame, but I don't think anyone yeah. anyone noticed it. You know, we do a lot of these Easter eggs and like hiding things in videos, and some of them are obviously much more appreciated and, and noticed than others, but I always check the comments just to see how many people have noticed them. Mm -hmm. Plenty of them go unnoticed, and it's hard to think of like my favorite one off the top of my head, but there's a lot of good ones. All right, I have one from, not gonna say the name. Uh, in one of your videos in 2018, you said, so I said, that OnePlus has A-plus performance and a C-plus camera, and Pixel has C-plus performance and an A-plus camera. Do these still hold true for this year's phones for the same companies, or have they improved on these? So if I use a OnePlus 7T Pro and Pixel 4, I think these ratios hold about the same. OnePlus still has A-plus performance, and I'd say they have a B to a B, yeah, a B, about a B to B plus camera. Mm -hmm. And then I'll say Pixel has about B to B plus performance now and still has the A plus camera. Yeah, I, I feel like their performance went up. The limiting factor is how long the performance will actually stay alive before right. you charge it again. Yeah, 
luckily both these phones get fast software updates and a lot of the other things about them is great but yeah if, if there's other factors to consider there's battery life there's other stuff yeah. but yeah i'd say those ratios are actually still kind of similar someone named jason asked we all know you're a huge fan of tesla but with porsche having what seems like the first legitimate competitor would you ever consider switching um for a brief second i did like before i placed my order and then i thought about charging and i said never mind um the supercharger network is just a mm -hmm. huge game changer so I did think about it for a second, but there was no chance. So in the future, when charging's more available, yeah. thoughts about potentially, I mean, things are going to change a lot then. There'll probably be more people in the manufacturing, but you're, would you say you're completely locked into Tesla or when the correct competition comes around with the correct ecosystem for it to strive as well as Tesla? Yeah, I think as a product, the Porsche is looked at as a competitor, but like I mentioned earlier in that in that video, mm -hmm. they're kind of not also, like yeah. they both happen to be electric cars, but the, the Model 3 is kind of more of a competitor to the Model S in my use case than the Porsche is. The okay. Porsche's 50 grand more. Um, the Model S has a ton more storage, which I value. It has autopilot, which I value. It has a supercharger network, which I value. It has all the other entertainment features in the center console, which I value. Um, and of course there's other things that the Porsche does well, but as far as like a product that I actually would like for my daily life, which is mm -hmm. my commute and going to tournaments and doing road trips with the supercharger network, like it was kind of a no brainer. So cool. Yeah. I think model three is the closest, mm. the closest thing to driving me away from model S. All right. I have one from. Go for it. From do it. User. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tavan. Taven. Sorry. So you see why I don't, There's right? just Yeah, yeah. That probably will be my last time attempting to. It was but, worth uh, a shot. Okay, so he has three questions. One, I'm just going to ask one of them. Uh, what are your thoughts about the rumors of Google buying Fitbit? Fitbit. Mm -hmm. So the, the fitness bands. Yeah. Uh, I could see it happening. Uh, the question would be, are they going to use that acquisition to like build in Fitbit tech into like a great Google smartwatch? Or are they going to make like a Pixel watch or something like that? I mean, like I'm sure the, the reason it has hype behind it, that rumor is a potential Google smartwatch, right? Because Fitbit right. does have, oh, I forget the name of it. They have a like full watch face watch. It's not just a little like bracelet type looking band. Okay. It's, I don't know how good it is. I haven't tried it. Um, I know some people who liked it a lot. It's big. It's square, kind of like the. I, okay. Can, Sounds like a Fitbit. Can smartwatches stop making square watches i want a smartwatch that looks like a real watch dude it's gonna take apple making a circular apple watch for I, anyone to go back to that I train moto please I, they, just, yeah I it know. used to be a thing lg made one for a little while i think they still make a circular yes they still make a circular smartwatch mm -hmm. for android phones uh samsung still makes a circular watch i loved the moto 360 yeah. that was one of the early ones with the little <laughs> flat tire at the yeah, bottom right. <laughs> but it had a thin bezel and like that was really nice um but now we, we do get a lot of squares because apple makes a square apple watch um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm still an Apple watch person that sort of ecosystem tie in matters too. I have friends that I compete with in like the, the little mm -hmm. fitness tracker thing. So yeah, it is what it is. I'm excited. I want an Android smartwatch pretty bad. I know everyone's gonna be like, use the galaxy watch, use whatever. I don't know. None of them have really caught my eye, but it just needs to be circle. Please be circle. Yeah, Google, I think please. watches watches are actually a very very design based decision mm -hmm. because they all at the end of the day have pretty much the same functionality, right? Yeah. If you have a watch, it tells the time. 
they may track your steps and your fitness and maybe give you some notifications and some shortcuts to apps and that's pretty much it. The funny thing is, is telling the time's not even, it's a watch. The, the couple times I do wear watches for like nice occasions, every time I need to see the time, I pull my phone Check out your of phone. my pocket. Same. It's it just, just, I'm not used to it. It happens to tell the time. I think I've gotten used to actually checking my watch now that yeah. I wore Apple Watch more, but yeah, it's, it's a very fitness driven, sorry, it's a very fashion driven decision. Yeah. So yeah, it's gotta have to look good too. I like I like this one from uh, someone named Evan who says, do you think there will be a point when people won't wanna watch your videos because you're too old? Here, for example, a 54-year-old MKBHD reviewing the latest iPhone 33. <laughs> and I think that's probably, that's probably one of my bigger fears. <laughs> actually, one of my biggest fears in life, I have two big fears, actually. Uh-huh. Thanks for bringing these up, Evan. One of my big fears is you know that old guy in the left lane who's completely unaware <laughs> that he's blocking Oblivious, traffic yeah. and just getting blasted past people on the right lane? Um, I, if I'm ever that guy, take away my license. <laughs> just take it away. I don't want to be that guy. And the other fear I have is, you know, maybe it happens a little bit with like social stuff like TikTok or whatever, but like being the totally out of touch, like old tech reviewer, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it, I don't even think that really exists because everyone's sort of been in this game for maybe a decade, right? Maybe mm-hmm. 20 years because tech as the way it exists today, there's so many people who've been doing it for so long. But being that like 50 year old guy who's like, oh, why do I need this extra camera? Or like, imagine yeah, like- Why are they putting that iMac Pro on a stand that doesn't even come with- <laughs> Like all these things today, like I, I'm glad I can still properly evaluate products in like a meaningful way. But uh, I am terrified of being like the, uh, yeah, the old curmudgeon tech reviewer. Like I remember buttons. Everything should have <laughs> buttons again. So here's something that might make you feel a little bit better if you think about it. Your audience now- will also continue to get old. True. So maybe to the younger audience, you're that old. We can, we old can, we'll just all bond together just, about how old tech was mm-hmm. the, the best. Cause you know how old people today think everything old was better. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, a, <laughs> there's a whole world of people who love the old stuff. And I hope to remain forward thinking enough to not become that person super soon. My birthday is coming up. I feel like 26, I'm going to be, I'm going to feel old, but whatever. Huh. We'll get there. I'm almost 30. We'll get there, man. We're gonna be looking back at back at the good old days where phones had face ID and and screens made of glass that didn't fold. No, I feel like it's more like we're gonna be looking back where phones weren't completely screens. Yeah, or when, when or they had were physical, they had hologram. character. Yeah, they had like a tactile feel, and they were made of metal, and they had ports, and they broke, and they broke, <laughs> and they broke when you plugged them in. Wow. Do you think fast. we're gonna get to a point where phones don't break because they're no. not physical? No, that's something I'm confident about. Tech will always break. Tech will always break. Tech okay, always break. so where, where where did we start this at? Let's let's go to the next question. Yeah, let's, I've let's derailed this so far. Let's leave that train off the rails. <laughs> Someone says, uh, what's with that Moto event coming up? A clamshell folding phone, is that happening? Motorola hasn't made a lot of great things recently. And that's a, that's a fair point. But I think what we're kind of expecting or hoping for, despite the total lack of any leaks is something like a folding phone version of the original Motorola Razor. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the most optimistic thing we can expect. Yeah. Just because of what we've seen in folding phones lately. If Motorola were to suddenly come along and do a folding phone better than everyone else, like to have that, you know, folding display on the inside and have like a clamshell design and not have a huge problem with durability, that would be amazing. Um 
but I'll be there and I'm just gonna wait and see. I'll Here, bring a camera. Yeah, here's here's my thing is that the original Razer, kind of what was so good about it was that it was so thin. So right. I hope that they can bring an extremely thin phone that's folding over so when it is folded, it's about the same size as a regular phone. That mm-hmm. sounds like no way it could happen, but yeah. we were talking about this the other day because Samsung, did Samsung show a concept or did someone show a concept? Samsung of a, showed a concept of a vertical a, folder. A vertical folder that just looked kind of like an S10, S10 Plus, yeah. but folded over and we were debating, would I rather have one long skinny phone in my pocket or a shorter but double as thick phone in my pocket? So my question with this vertical folder thing is, why do I want it to fold? Like the whole point of a folder for me is you get to fit a bigger screen in your pocket than you normally could have. Mm -hmm. But when you have this like vertical phone that's like a normal size, all you're doing by folding it is just making it like, you know, a a little thicker and like half the the vertical size, but it's gonna fit in your pocket anyway. Mm -hmm. So I guess I would want like a huge screen out of that, which seems kind of weird to have a huge vertical screen, but yeah, I don't know. That's a... That's something will remain to be seen. I'm yeah. interested though. I'll be at the event. I think that's going to be a, a fun one. Okay, I got a, a good unique one from Jacob here. Okay. What's the most unusual tech support you've had from a family member? So I guess some sort of call okay. they made where there's some weird issue went wrong. All right. And I, I know you've worked in IT, so you've probably had a yeah, lot of yeah, weird tech support calls. I have a great calls. IT one. Okay. I'll, I'll do two. I'll do a family and I'll do an IT one. Okay. The family one's much quicker. It was... I'm not gonna name names because I think some of my family listens to this. So oh um, I had somebody who was with a friend and they just called and said, hey, isn't there a Find My iPhone app? I was like, yeah, I don't use iPhone, but there is one. They're like, okay, how do we get it? And eventually I go through teach them how to do it. And then they're mm-hmm. like, okay, well, thank you. We're gonna go look. We left the iPad on top of the car and oh. drove away with oh. it on the car. And it wasn't there when we Wow. Got back. So now we're going to go use and they found it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, at least I forget about did it was it on the side of the road somewhere broken or did it I don't Yeah. I don't I've know. had a, a weird story where a a friend left his phone on top of the car, drove through an entire town and pulled in a driveway, got out the car and it was still on top of I the car. I did that with my laptop moving in oh college. My, a laptop? Yeah, but those rubber feet on the bottom of a MacBook oh, saved yeah. it. It was a very short it was when I was moving from like my moving stuff from a college dorm to my off-campus apartment oh, okay. across town or something yeah so it wasn't very far but that's impressive they'll stick uh, my it story mm-hmm. is a little more fun but a little more in depth i so i worked at a company where we were kind of a middleman between providing shipping from ups to smaller companies so i did a lot of work with uh, label printers so people would ship stuff you would print labels out of these terrible terrible zebra label printers that broke nonstop um sounds like a printer yeah man it, it was I, I feel like it's literally the worst thing you could do in it is the worst thing you could do at home is trying to get your printer to work and then yeah. do that as a job wow it was pretty bad but other than that um we had for smaller customers they didn't have a standalone shipping program they did it all online and they had to install java in order to get i don't know how java works too too well but they needed Java in order to enter in all the information and send it to the Zebra printer. So I would get calls every single day saying, my Java's out of date, I need you to update it because apparently just clicking yes, it's out of date and letting it automatically do it was too hard. So I I had to remote into, or I couldn't remote into this guy's computer because he couldn't figure out how to do it. So mm-hmm. I tried to explain him on the phone. 
in order to, I'm asking him questions, I'm asking him questions, it's not working. I, the number one rule when you're doing IT is start as literally as simple as possible. I mean, like mm -hmm. to the point where it's like, is the damn computer on? Yeah. So it was on. Then you have to start trying to figure out what internet browser they're using because that helps a little bit. This was right around that time where Java was starting to get taken off of like Chrome. Okay. Um, so do you know what internet browser you're using? No. Okay. What is does the it, logo look like? Exactly. Is it a circle with red, yellow, and green? No. All right. Is it blue with some orange around the outsides? Firefox? Mm. Nope. Okay. It's Internet Explorer. So it's a blue E. No. You're on Windows, right? Yeah. Okay. Please, when you go to click the button for the internet, mm -hmm. can you hover your mouse over it and a little thing should pop up? What does it say? And he's like, AOL. I was like, you have to be oh kidding gosh. me. Uh, I, he had to have heard me laugh because he went, this is pretty old, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, it is. Yeah, he was so, he thought it was hilarious. He was like, oh man, I'm really showing my age. Um, I Then I went through and installed Internet Explorer for him and everything and got just he like a shortcut. Him. I got a shortcut set up for him so he could just double click the shortcut and it would go right to our landing page to do all the all this shipping he needed to do, but wow. that was a fun one. Probably took like 25, 30 minutes to find out he was using AOL, which obviously doesn't support. My favorite part of that. of that is that you upgraded someone to Internet Explorer. To Internet Explorer. <laughs> that's incredible. <laughs> the the browser that's only there so you can download Chrome or Firefox. Essentially, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've tried to work out of that with Edge, but that's what they yeah. are. Yeah, but have you tried Edge? No, I haven't, and I nope. don't plan on it. <laughs> Sorry, Chrome's still fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, well, I don't have many tech support stories. I mean, my family, my my dad actually works in tech. He's good with tech. Okay. My sister kind of has this like like a force field around her where tech within a couple meters of her just spontaneously breaks. I think that's how it works. <laughs> like she'll hold a The other day she texted me like my, I think she said, are FaceTime cameras and Macs supposed to be like pretty bad? And I was like, yeah, they're pretty bad. And she sends me a video and it's just, it looks like the thousandth upload of our <laughs> video project. She's like, is it supposed to be this bad? I was like, I have no idea what's wrong with your computer. <laughs> um, but I, I usually just end up telling them to, you know, upgrade, just get a new webcam or just get a new trackpad mm -hmm. or a mouse. So yeah, I don't know. That's where I'm at. I think that's a good one to end it on. Yeah, though. That, that was, was a lot good. of fun. <laughs> Thank you guys for the questions. Techtober has been a blast, but we're, we're heading right into, let's, I don't know, Techvember? That's... That's well, a little let's weird. Let's just call it November. Let's call it November, but it'll be a tech-heavy one. We'll be back with the videos. Thank you so much for, for sending in your questions and for listening and for watching, and we'll catch you guys soon. Make sure to give us a follow or rate us on Apple Podcasts. Waveform is brought to you by Studio 71, and our intro-outro song is by Cameron Barlow. Cameron Barlow.